Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Clear as Mud, where we talk to game developers from all walks of life to discuss their personal and professional journeys. I'm your host, Graham Waltrip. As always, our show is presented by Mudstack, the only asset management and collaboration platform custom-built for game studios and digital artists. For more information, head over to mudstack.com. Today, we welcome Kevin Powell to the show, principal game designer at High res Studios. For any fans of Smite out there, this will be a real treat for you. Kevin was there from the start and designed Smite's first levels. Kevin talks about how his love for technology and a proposition from his mother changed the course of his life forever, how going to Savannah College of Art and Design prepared him for his work at High res and his work at Gearbox as a systems designer on Borderlands 3. This was a really fun one. We hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you after the interview to wrap things up. So Kevin, what what is the inciting incident of your your pathway into this into this career? Yeah, yeah. So like I I was fortunate enough to have been surrounded by technology at like a young age. Um, you know, my dad he managed to get his hands on a Atari twenty six hundred. Um, I didn't get a chance to play that, but the first uh, console I did get to play was the Nintendo. Um, and I remember my brother handing me the controller. Uh, upside down and the first game we were playing was uh, Contra and I remember learning how to play that game with the controller upside down and you know (laughs) you know kids brains are like sponges right so like I I didn't know you know better so that's how I learned (laughs) but you know um, that's awesome so you played Contra the original Contra upside down were you any good yeah I, I managed to get to like the second stage with my brother I mean he would always take my lives but like (laughs) <laughs> but yeah you know I, I i wasn't too bad but yeah yeah those games were were really hard so i'm, I'm amazed that you're able to do it upside down yeah, yeah. even though you've never really played a game before it's still right right <laughs> just looking back like just thinking about that that's insane yeah yeah because it was like that and you know like super mario and stuff like that and uh yeah it was just that that was like from an early age and you know that kind of continued that trend um you know throughout my childhood uh i remember like in elementary school um, I went to this uh, elementary school called uh, Hess Elementary, and we our mascot was the bears, and we had these uh, bear bucks, and you know you get these bear bucks for you know anything good you would do, um, and so I would always save up my bear bucks and spend them on like computer lab time, and so I would just go in there and play like Oregon Trail and like Math Munchers and stuff like that. If we didn't have a console, you know we'd go down the street to one of my friends' places. They would have like you know. A Super Nintendo or like a Sega, you know, we would play games or like an N64. And uh, when I got in high school, um, there was like this this uh, computer shop that opened up um, in town called Surf Tech Computers, and they did a lot of uh, they they just did a lot of computer repair and they did a lot of like networking and stuff for local businesses and stuff. And I remember just going in there and seeing like all the computer parts and like computers being broken down and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh man, would, would you guys hire me? And they were like, nah, <laughs> 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 they were like you don't know anything. Like why would we hire you? And you know, it was like a little mom and pop shop. So like, of course they're not taking on employees, but like I kept just coming around, um, you know, until the point where he was like, fine. Um, and you know, they taught me how to build like cat five cables and stuff like that. And, you know, I would go on jobs and like, you know, 
help help with networking these businesses and stuff and, and taught me how to build computers and so um at that point i was just like i was in um just learning how to fix my computer and everything and upgrade it so like any money i got or anything like any parts i could get my hands on to upgrade my computer i was just constantly doing that so i could play you know the latest games like i was playing diablo and stuff like that um at the time and starcraft and warcraft 3 um and yeah it was just uh that that was kind of my surrounding my environment um you know throughout my schooling and then uh i remember still like not knowing what i was going to do in college because at that time you know it's like oh you, you should be a doctor or you know a lawyer or you know go into this career where it's like you know very just straightforward and and i hadn't thought about any sort of like creative career um that wasn't even a thing that like i thought was a possibility yeah was the was, was your family like it sounds like they were much more interested in you following a traditional, more traditional path. But were, there, were they open to you, you know, working at Surf Tech Computers, or how? What was their, what were their thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, they were just kind of like I, I was like just doing my own thing. Like I, I was just like I really anything I set my mind to, I was just like I'm gonna go after it. And so, like they knew I was into you know technology and everything. So you know, as long as I kept my grades you know, pretty decent. They, they weren't too worried about it, but, uh, yeah, you know, my mom, she, she's a nurse. Um, and my dad's a, a sheriff. Um, uh, so it was just like the technology and like the whole create creative career thing. Wasn't really a thing that, that, uh, you know, I'd seen, you know, throughout my family, like growing up and stuff. So. But it was, you know, and those jobs are very much like long hours working insanely hard, difficult conditions so yeah i can understand why they would be more interested in you kind of following you know in their footsteps so to speak yeah yeah and so you know and and especially like throughout school like those those are the jobs that you know everyone is telling you as you're going through school like these are the jobs that are gonna get you to that like american dream right where you right you know, get your house and everything and have a family, all that stuff. So, right. yeah, it was just kind of like, all right, um, at this point, we're at a, like a crossroad where it's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? I don't have any idea. Yeah. Was that something you wanted at all? Was like that, you know, traditional American dream or is that just something that you kept hearing about and was was put upon you? Like when someone said, like, if you go right after this job, if you're able to do it, you can get that. Was that something you actually thought about and wanted? Um, It, it wasn't really like I really just wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted to do at the time, which was like, you know, play video games and stuff like that. And like, just have that freedom. Right. And like, I hadn't really thought about my future in that way. Um, aside from, you know, what, uh, you know, we're being taught in school and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it was very much like, okay, you got to do these things or else you're going to become, you know, like a burger flipper or something like that, which was like, you know, very, negative connotation for you know like food service workers and stuff like that but yeah it's just like i know i i knew i needed to to you know get good grades all that stuff and and get a good job so i could you know afford to you know do whatever i was interested in which was you know build computers it's really just technology at the time were you interested in like exploring more about computers and thinking about not even just thinking about that as a as a field but really wanting to continue to explore how they're constructed, how you upgrade it, things like that. Was that just 
something that was always in your in your mind as you you know embraced your love of of tech yeah yeah it was just like everything surrounding it um like in, in high school you know i was i was just learning everything i could i was uh you know online i i was i was playing all these different games and i even um like started learning like hex uh just so i could like hack this one game i started learning um how to like send packets back and forth um or like intercept packets and like you know edit them through hex and so i was doing that and it was just everything was just like really fascinating to me and i was able to do so much stuff it was, it was kind of at the time right where the internet was just beginning too so it, it was like a really really interesting time and what year what year was that um that was around like uh like i graduated high school in 2005 so okay. That was, you know, from like the, the early 2000s, you know, so much like the, just the jump in technology too, right? Like before, you know, cell phones and stuff like that. Yeah. So, Did you have dial up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. you know, getting kicked off like whenever, you know, your parents would pick up the phone. Um, that was the worst. <laughs> I remember uh, playing Madden a lot before we got high speed internet. And I just remember there's this one game I was playing like the game of my life and then my dad picks up the phone and starts checking the voicemail. Oh I'm no. Like, hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. <laughs> yep. I didn't get disconnected, but it almost disconnected, but I had plenty of times where it did. It was so frustrating. <laughs> now we just take all that for granted, right? It's just high speed internet. Yeah, there are no yeah. landlines anymore. It's yeah. Cause uh, yeah, I remember like when we, when the switch from uh, like dial up to cable happened and it was like, wait, you can be on the internet and like on the phone at the same time, like, and not have two phone lines. <laughs> Cause like that was say, that was the other thing was like oh man they got two phone lines like they must be rich like because <laughs> you know it was like a phone line wasn't cheap and so yeah yeah it, it was just yeah what, what an interesting time um, yeah even cordless phones I was like holy yeah. crap man I'm walking <laughs> around the house I got the phone I can go wherever I want yeah this is unreal yeah and then yeah when we started getting like you know cell phones and stuff like that or like the Nokia like the indestructible phone. With like mm -hmm. <laughs> around the time I was about to graduate, I remember my mom. She uh, she pointed out there was like this like news story about a local college um, called Savannah College of Art and Design, and they were doing a uh, a game development uh, course, uh, or they were just starting it up. And uh, she was just joking because I was always like playing games and stuff like that. Um, she was like, well, you, you play so many video games. Why don't you go and make them? And like, that was like, I don't know if she realized it or not, but like, that was like the spark. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I was Does like, she remember that today. Oh yeah. Like, especially now, like, you know, with the career I've been able to have, um, she's like super proud of me. And she, she's like, oh, yeah, I remember I was telling you, like, because <laughs> she would like, you know, when, when I would get on punishment and everything, she'd be like, well, you can't get on the computer. She would like take the keyboard and mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would just be like, please don't do that. Like, I would. Yeah, it's like her. a fate worse than death, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Yep. And so, like, she really, she always, like, calls back to those times, like, because, you know, at that, at that moment, she was, you know, kind of joking, but then. I was like, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> and so I just kind of went after it. Uh, I ended up applying with no portfolio. Uh, yeah. 
and just a, a letter of intent, <laughs> just like, I want to, I want to learn how to make games. Right. So what, what did your parents think about that at, at the time then when you actually like were, okay, let's do it. I'm going to call your bluff in essence. Yeah. So they were like, all right, well, if you, if you get in, um, then we'll, we'll have to figure out like how we're going to actually send you to school. But right. Like, you know, I have been, you know, not, not super great in school. My, my grades were okay. They weren't mm-hmm. the worst, but they definitely weren't the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just was kind of like, all right, well, you know, let's see what, let's see what happens. And so, um, I end up, uh, getting accepted. And so I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't know what to do now. Uh, I guess, <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess it's time. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've, figured out a way, you know, through massive student loans, <laughs> um, to, you know, to send me to, to SCAD. And so that was, that was kind of the beginning there. Um, I ended up just kind of learning everything, uh, from like foundation classes and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, that. Cause, uh, I went to SCAD too. I went to the Atlanta, uh, version. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and also did the game development, game development program. Um, but I had come from film and uh, I got really interested in games and story narrative storytelling, sort of the thing I was the most interested in. And I was like, man, like I love making movies, but I feel like this is the future. Like I want to pursue this kind of deal. And then I, you know, I get accepted and I'm like, all right, video game class time, you know, like let me learn programming. Let me learn art you know, whatever, let me, hopefully there's, there's narrative stuff there too. Like, let's just get into it. And then it's like, no, you're taking these foundations classes. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then you you find out like clay and like building like, you know, 3d models and stuff when I really want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, no, you're going to paint, you're going to draw, you're going to make things out of copper wire. Um, it was the, the, the best comparison I can make to it is it's like a artistic boot camp. Yeah. It's, it, it, it really is a proving ground to see, are you for real about this? Can you handle this intense workload? Cause I don't know about you, but I was working 80, hundred, you know, whatever, yeah. tons of hours a week, you know, like yeah. way more than it, I ever had before. It was a gauntlet. Yeah, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty tough uh it was wild because um i actually had like a partial scholarship to play soccer with them my first uh my first quarter oh really or yeah yeah or my first year um Mm -hmm. i didn't really play too much like in the games but uh i was there on the team practicing and all that stuff i'm Um, amazed you found the time to do that yeah that that was the thing is like after that that year i was like i there's no way no um, and yeah it's just like i, yeah. I have to yeah have whoever to was a student athlete at scat i have the utmost respect for it. i'm like i don't know how the hell you survived that it's hard enough it, surviving without it's doing anything ridiculous. extracurricular yeah yeah we, having to be up at like 6 a.m uh we used to practice at forsyth park so okay. we'd be at forsyth like at, at six in the morning you know running around the park and everything um but yeah yeah it was it was kind of ridiculous especially yeah. with those those foundation classes because yeah it is like just kind of project after project after project and yeah it, yeah it was it was it was rough yeah well, yeah for sure take, take the listeners through one like the worst one you went through give people an idea about what scat is really like with those foundations classes i don't know i i feel like the worst one for me 
and it wasn't even like a painting one. It was actually it was actually speech. It was like a speech class. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, like I I was terrible um, at like talking in front of people. Um, and mm-hmm. like, I, I was, I was really bad. <laughs> and so, um, it was just, it was super rough trying to get through that, uh, just for personal reasons. But yeah, uh, aside from that, like some of the art classes, it was just so demanding, uh, like just supply wise, like having to go to, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the art store, um, that we used to go to in Savannah, um. It'll come back to me at some point, but yeah, uh, just having to go go to the art store, buy all these supplies, and it's like so much money. And then you know you're having to build these either uh, these like models out of clay, um, or you know you're having to do some kind of uh, like you're having to do several hundred you know gesture drawings, and yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's it's uh, a lot of work. Um, but yeah, it it really is like I think boot camp is 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 a good analogy for it because it's like after that, like that stuff is kind of beaten to your head, and whether you like it or not, it's like you start to kind of see those foundations kind of uh, leak through into the rest of the craft, right? Oh, totally. Like you know, there's tons of classes you take throughout your educational career where you just do it, you get it over with information goes in one ear out the other once you're done with it you're done with it you forget about it but those classes i still remember like painting you got to make it flat and opaque flat and opaque i still remember you know learning about like how different colors blend together yeah yeah your complementary colors complementary colors uh yeah all that stuff like it's it's like ingrained in me like if i see something in a painting now I didn't really care about painting that much, but I can analyze it. I know about like, I'm like looking for the focal point. I'm like looking for all these things I learned about um, at SCAD. It's just like, and it really benefited me as I went forward in my, my scholastic career, at least. Yeah. It's like, I can imagine how like, you know, some of that stuff, at least like for an example, when I was doing like level design uh, stuff, um, you know, we would have to light our levels. And so, you know, knowing a little bit about lighting from those foundation classes kind of helps with, you know, drawing the player's eyes to certain, you know, parts of the level um, right. know, when they're running around the environment. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I probably wouldn't have had that answer like years ago, but now like thinking about it, I'm like, man, that is really interesting how much it did help me. Um Granted, it was rough going through it at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get up to a, did you ever hit a wall with any of those where you're like, I can't do this? Like, I'm, I'm done, sort of deal? Um, no, it was just kind of like, uh, it was just kind of like burnout. It was like, oh man, just, yeah. just kind of going so hard on a project. And then it's like, all right, well, I need to, you know, sleep for two days. Um, yeah. Yeah, because you weren't really artistically inclined at all at this point, right? Right, right. Yeah, so that's just a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. Like my my brother, he he was like the artist of the family. Like he would always draw and stuff like that. Um, but like I I never I I would draw and stuff, but I never really did any of the like traditional stuff. Um, and so uh, yeah, when I got to SCAD, it was just kind of jarring because like I had never thought about art in that way it was kind of like uh scientific in a way yeah so much critical thought into every single decision you make in any of those designs yeah 
any other like uh when you got into like the actual video game classes were there any like classes uh and or professors that really had a profound impact on you or made you open your eyes even more to like what was possible with this medium oh yeah i feel like uh a lot of the professors in the game development uh program over um in the savannah campus had a had a pretty huge effect uh one of my favorite professors, Ari Cookson, he was like, um, he, he was my level design professor. He, he was the first professor I had like, uh, had like a studio class with. Um, and he, he kind of just taught us, uh, just everything about level design made us think about how we were building things. Um, and yeah, he, he was the one that kind of like pushed, pushed me, um, and of course, there were other professors. There's uh, Shammy, there's uh, Sue Ann, uh, Brenda Brathway. There, there's so many over there. But yeah, I just remember Cookson. Like, I spent the most time like in his classes or outside of his classroom um, with you know other uh, students, and you know we would just kind of be outside like helping each other out with with you know our assignments and stuff like that. Oh yeah, in the lab, all the time. But yeah, that was kind of once we got into, yeah, the, the actual like game development major classes. Um, yeah, it, it was all kind of within uh, that one building, uh, Montgomery Hall. Uh, and yeah, they just had all the computers and everything, all the equipment you needed. Um, and yeah, just kind of spent years in there. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned level design a few times, but it, was that the one thing that really jumped out to you that like you wanted to pursue that? Or did, when, when did you start realizing what you wanted to do in the field, if you could pick? Um, Yeah, it kind of started uh, with like once we got into uh, the game development classes, you know, they were teaching us like 3D Studio Max, Photoshop, Maya, um, you know, all of that kind of base stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so... Early on, I, I I knew I wasn't good at like characters or, or like uh, like even doing like organic forms, and so I kind of took towards uh, environments a little more. And so even mm -hmm. with like 3D modeling, you know, I, I kind of did more like hard surface stuff. And so that that kind of led me to doing environment art more. And so environment art and level design kind of go hand in hand. And so yeah. I was, you know, building the level and then arting it and everything. Um, and so, yeah, that that kind of solidified my sort of base as far as what I was interested in in game development. Because uh, once I got into Cookson's class, uh, he, yeah, that kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, man, I can like build out these environments that like tell a story and uh, and then, you know, have these like triggers and stuff. Uh, do certain things to make the player uh, react a certain way. Um, and so that was like the very first time I was like, oh, I can like, you know, build all of this stuff. So yeah, um, I think that was kind of the point where I had, I guess a little bit decided what, what I wanted to do. But at that point, everyone was kind of a generalist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking about, you know, narratively i was just like you know cut scenes this cut scenes that and then you know once mm -hmm. you actually get into learning about level design you're like wait a minute yeah this is kind of where the interactive the, the interactive narrative style can really 
come into play. Like, what are you saying with your environment? Yeah. Where are you leading your player? What are they trying to do? What are the obstacles in their way? All that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is the real kind of narrative storytelling that you sort of take for granted in the age of, you know, when I wanted to do it there, you know, there was Metal Gear Solid and Uncharted and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all these bigger, these games that were going for this blockbuster blowout sort of, sort of style. And, you know, there's these great cinematics in them, but it's like, wait a minute, you know, level design, the levels really tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Those were like big inspirations too. While I was, uh, you know, in, in those classes too, because I remember Uncharted had like just come out. And so I remember Cookson was like, look at, look at this. He, he like, yeah. pulled up, pulled up. he's like, look at this. This is, this is how it's done. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just really cool kind of seeing that, uh, seeing it done at that level. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, games really can be more than just, you know, like a, a shoot 'em up. It can tell stories, like it can totally transcend, you know, all of these other sort of art forms that we've experienced. And, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. The, uh, so what was your senior studio project? So I had a couple, but, um, the one that we did was actually really interesting. Um, we did this, uh, project called Talus and it was, uh, me and a couple of uh, friends. Was, uh, I think it was my friend, Jimmy Barnett, uh, my friend Rashad Madison, um i'm trying to remember who else there were it was like pretty much the whole class um and it was in one of it was cookson's like studio class and we built this game that was essentially uh, a moba um (laughs) before mobas came out we had like lanes and uh we had bots running through and this was built in unreal tournament um and we we had had we had towers that were uh that were like firing at you and so we kind of built this uh this like weird little Unreal Tournament MOBA um, with like different classes. And that was like our senior project. And we ended up Mm -hmm. winning uh, that year's um, uh, GDX, the like game game development. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we ended up winning that year. And we got an honorable mention in the like uh, make something Unreal contest. There was like a certain phase and we got like an honorable mention for it. So that was cool. But yeah, it it was funny, uh, especially working on that and looking back because basically the first studio I ended up working at um, pretty much built a like third person MOBA, um, which ended up being Smite. Right, right. Uh, uh, when you were saying that, I was like, this is uh, <laughs> this is like good foreshadowing for what you were about to do. Yeah. Um, over at High Res, did you, were you on it like when it started? Yes. When Smite started? Okay, so you were you there like before it started or were they already in active development? Uh, before it started. Before it started. So you were there from the beginning. Yeah, I, I built like the very first like development maps for it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because that game, I mean, it's been wildly successful. Still still kicking. Yeah. Uh, more than <laughs> still kicking. It's it's alive and well. So, yeah, so... You you get to you get to high res, uh, new culture, new environment. What what was that adjustment period like? It was uh, it was really it was really cool. Um, I was you know really excited to get into the industry. I was like, oh, they messed up and let me get in the door. Like I'm never <laughs> leaving. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it was just really cool. Uh, uh, so I ended up. Um, getting hired at high res studios they're based out of atlanta um for those of you that don't know atlanta is 
about like four and four hours and some change away from Savannah, Georgia, which is where I grew up. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that was just extreme, uh, I think, luck and perseverance um, through, you know, just the the application process and uh, <laughs> just just kind of after graduation, um, you know, sending out that torrent of uh, applications to, you know, kind of every studio. But yeah, once once I got in there, it was it was really it was really interesting because, uh, you know, as we were doing these projects and everything in school, um, once once I got into high res, I noticed that like it, it was less uh, competition, uh, even though it, it, it was weird. There was competition at school, but you could tell there was just kind of competition among the students because we're all like, oh, I'm going to get that job. Um, it's like we're all fighting for the same job. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was just, you know, a lot of collaboration and everything. And I was just like, basically, once I got in, I was like, I don't know how they let me in here. Uh, I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of time <laughs> until they figure it out. Um, right. But, you know, it, it was really different. You know, I, I had, uh, you know, a couple mentors and everything um, with just a couple of designers um, that, that brought me in. And uh, yeah, just just kind of helped me out along the way. Uh, I started out by building levels for Global Agenda, and you know, doing the play tests for that, and uh, and that was like a live game. So it was really cool seeing like a level that you know I'd worked on maybe just you know a month prior, uh, actually being in a live build and people playing it, um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just really cool seeing that and having, you know, actual content in a game that that shipped. Yeah. Talk talk more about like sort of the the, the pipeline that you went through when you're designing a level uh, in Smite. Yeah. So for Smite, it was uh, it was very, uh, I think it was very methodical because uh, in in Traditional MOBAs, you know, it's the kind of isometric uh, top-down view. Right. Um, and you can kind of see everything um, except for, you know, whatever's in the fog of war. And so uh, with Smite, it being a, a third-person game, you know, you, you can't really do that, like, fog of war thing. There's line of sight, and you can see all the way down the lane if it's straight. So um, it, it was an uh, interesting problem to kind of work around uh, as far as line, line of sight is concerned. And then you also have to figure out, uh, you know, run times and distances and stuff like that uh, because you have the whole sort of game loop of, you know, you, you leave your towers or you leave your base and you defend your towers and everything. And the amount of time that it takes to, you know, get from your base to the tower makes a huge difference. Um, and then all the stuff in the jungle. So, you know, kind of being a fan of MOBAs before I ever got a chance to work on one um, was, you know, it was a lot of help. And so uh, that those were the kind of problems I ran into when trying to build that map um, for like a third person sort of MOBA. So having to build in a lot of like uh, site blockers for line to site. So, uh, you can't tell if someone's like sneaking up on you at certain parts of the map, um, you know, to kind of create that tension. So if you overextend, um, you know, you, you're susceptible to getting, you know, killed. So, 
um, you know, just just stuff like that. And so, yeah, through throughout that process, we had like a bunch of different iterations of, of, of maps. Um, and then we ended up uh, with, uh, you know, the final one that that was active for, I think, like a season or two. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really cool process, just like figuring all of that stuff out. Um, and then, you know, that that also has to be in line with like all of the characters in the game and, you know, their run speeds and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, I was about to ask about that, like, you know, especially when now you got the mechanics to consider and all the all the different uh you know playable characters what they can do yeah. right what they can't do right and then taking all that and then there's tons of how many players can could, could fit in that map uh it's 10 so it's uh usually five on five okay um so that's still you know that's, that's a lot of variation to consider when you're when you're creating yeah did you start like with your prototyping stage like how did you how did you do that did you have like did you make uh something in illustrator or, or, or something like that or photoshop to sort of like get the idea of what the level is going to be and then go into building out a prototype or was it just straight prototyping it was kind of both we, we just went into prototyping and we kind of just wanted to build out a map that had like three lanes um and then uh and then once i like blocked that out uh we we were kind of building off of uh we already had some prototypes built out from uh, a couple other designers. Um, and so it actually started out as a mod of global agenda. Um, mm. And so, you know, we had those classes and everything, but, you know, we had the rules of a MOBA. And, uh, and so that's kind of how it started. And then once we, we decided to kind of go away from the, uh, there was like elevation changes and stuff like that. Um, and that didn't work out all that great. Uh, and so once we decided to go away from that, uh, then we start prototyping out the new level. Um, that's when things sort of started to kind of fall into place. Because uh, then um, I believe it was Erez, he, he had the idea of, uh, you know, tying mythological gods to, to you know, the, the characters and everything. Um, and then that, that sort of... Uh, took off from there so like all the abilities started to kind of come in line with the the gods and then you know with their abilities we had you know movement abilities and you know damaging abilities range abilities everything um and so with that uh knowing you know kind of the rule sets we were playing with uh that helped out a lot with uh with with blocking out the level and then how did you guys play test? Were, were you guys play testing or was there, I mean, obviously there had to be a QA team, but how, how often did you guys like play test a level and then start tweaking things and pumping out more iterations? Every single day. Um, yeah, it was like, it, it was very quick iterations too. So like every single day there would be, if not one, uh, multiple builds, um, and we would get changes in so rapidly. Um, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it was just kind of, uh, yeah, we were flying by the seat of our pants. It was just kind of, it, it, it was, it was like kind of like garage games in a way, but like we had all these super talented people building all this really cool stuff. And so, um, yeah, it, it like really just kind of came together, uh, really quickly. Um, after you know we kind of got that initial sort of uh direction and and so yeah every day we would play tests um we had a, a couple of qa that were just really good um and yeah we would get feedback just daily 
iterate and then do it again. When did you, when did you know it was right? When did you know you were done? Um, what for, uh, like for the level, like when you were making a level there, like, when did you know, like, okay, we found it, we got it. It was like never done. Never done. <laughs> it was like in a constant state, like, okay, well, like we, we, we have this map, but like there's certain things that we could tweak, but like, yeah, it was, it just came to, down to a point where it's like, all right, well, we need, we need to do other things. We need to work on other things. And it's like, all right, well, since the map is like in a place where we don't have any problems with it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need a, a level designer uh, anymore for that. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, I can do other stuff. Um, <laughs> I was like, please don't, don't uh, fire me. Um, <laughs> and so, what else, yeah. what else did you do there? So that that's when I ended up uh, kind of switching back to uh, some like 3D art and mm-hmm. uh environment art and level design and so um during that time i I was kind of working on dlc for global agenda um and this was after tribes had launched um so like i was working on some of that stuff too and then eventually uh i got asked to join the design team for uh for the characters or gods um so i ended up becoming a god designer um a little later and uh i designed a a handful of gods for smite so i actually got to um design out their kits and stuff like that the abilities like what they do how fast they move um you know kind of uh help out with like uh, the theming and all that stuff uh writing voice packs or voice lines um, yeah just kind of all of that stuff um for several of the characters I bet that was helpful doing the level design first. Oh yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, because then you can know like what the sandbox says that you're playing in, right? Right, right. So then you can figure out ways to kind of subvert those rules that you've kind of placed um, for the player, and you can make it really interesting. So, like you know, when you see Thor jump up in the air and he's able to see you know a lot of the map, kind of like you would see in like a more traditional traditional MOBA. Um, and then he can come crashing down and it's like, that's something you wouldn't normally be able to do like in a, in an isometric MOBA since you already have that kind of view, but it, it, it totally changes that, uh, when you're, you know, just third person. And so, yeah, it was just really awesome being able to come up with these really interesting abilities and, and things that, uh, you know, were not the norm for, for a MOBA. And what's that like in terms of design, the, the, the character, do you work, with the character artist too, to sort of figure out is there a collaboration there? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, it's usually when there's like a, a kickoff, um, for a character, we'll, we'll sit down, um, with like all of the heads of the, each department. So like character artists, um, concept artists, animation effects. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll kind of just go over, uh, the, the character and kind of like what their theme is and you know what they do how they look what they say um you know all of that stuff kind of comes up and uh and you know there's usually uh back and forth between everyone on on that stuff but uh you know once once we come to an agreement then it's like all right cool we kind of go off and, and build our stuff and we're constantly communicating throughout but yeah um we, we have that kickoff meeting and we get to 
kind of influence the, the character as a whole um, in, in those types of meetings. And then are you guys kind of working simultaneously yeah. at that point too? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like for, from my perspective as a designer, I would, uh, I would say, Hey, we want a character to have like a, a three, um, like a, a three hit attack. Uh, and so I'll talk with the animator and we'll be like, Hey, um, we want them to kind of move, uh, you know, this way, uh, we, they, they should be more agile or maybe they should seem more sneaky. Uh, you know, that's what we kind of get into those like descriptors of like what the animation sh- maybe should look like. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, the, an- the animators will ultimately, you know, have the final say on that and because, you know, they know how to make it look good. And so then, um, you know, once I get that animation, uh, you know, we can plug it in, uh, into you know triggers for you know attacking and stuff like that or if it's an ability and then you know we have our our uh you know our hit boxes and stuff for dealing damage all that stuff so i would like hook up you know most of the the sort of combat side stuff um but yeah working closely with like uh animation and then like effects for like if we need like a hit effect to come off of the character or something like that or if it's like a projectile um we'll need you know effects for that type of stuff um yeah that that's usually like the collaboration from my side uh, with those departments but yeah it's 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 a lot of um you know working in tandem yeah was there a particular god that was your favorite to to design um i think uh my first god uh ram uh he was he was the first god I designed, um, and it's actually really interesting because uh, I think High Res has uh, has a, a relationship with the American Hindu Society um, because when we were you know doing Smite and everything, obviously we're using like these different mythological gods, and some of them are still being you know worshipped and and stuff to this day, um, and so. We had to be very careful about, you know, the depiction of some of these gods in the game. And so uh, with Ram being a a Hindu god, it was really it was uh, I was anxious because I didn't want to mess it up. Um, But it was really cool kind of going through that process of, you know, learning about the god and then like just diving deep into that culture and trying to pull out uh, whatever I could. Uh, like whatever interesting bits I could to put into his kit. Um, and I think it turned out really cool um, because of it. Uh, so you, you stayed at high res for a while. I know you're, you're back there now, but what was your, what was your next venture after, after high res and why did you, why did you leave? Yeah. So I ended up uh, leaving high res after being there for about five years. Um, and I, I left because uh, it was just a really cool opportunity. Um <laughs> I ended up going to Gearbox Software, and uh, you know they're they're widely known for for Borderlands. And uh, when I went when I went over there in 2015, um, they hired me for a, a character design position. So I actually ended up working on uh, Battleborn um, and working for mm. a, uh, working on a couple of characters for uh, for that game. Um, and that was really cool because it was uh, you know Gearbox's kind of uh, uh, bet into um, you know kind of hero shooter, uh, and at the time there were a couple of other ones, <laughs> and unfortunately that game didn't do too well. But it was a really fun game to work on. 
Um, it was it was really cool to kind of come into this sort of AAA studio and like learn how they do things and like see how they you know set up stuff, especially after having come from you know high res, which was very much an indie studio when I joined. Um, I think I was like employee number 55 at high res um, back when I joined. And like when I left, I think we were at like 200. <laughs> wow. And so like they had done some substantial growing since Smite. And so, uh, yeah, at that at that time, like it it still had that kind of garage game feel. But like I could tell it was definitely changing. And so it was interesting going leaving from that to then joining Gearbox where, you know, they had put out, you know, these huge hits like Borderlands and Borderlands 2 um, and like, you know, Tiny Tina's and all that stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, it was, it was kind of awesome coming into that environment and like getting to work with, uh, you know, people that put out like one of your favorite games, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, that's been great. Were they, like, what was the difference between, like, like, the cultures of the two studios? Other than, obviously, you know, Gearbox was was bigger and had, you could argue, I guess, bigger hits. But, I mean, Smite was a huge hit, too. So, it's sort of like, I guess, from a cultural standpoint, a studio standpoint, a day-to-day standpoint, what was that like? Yeah, it was, um, it was a lot less chaotic. Because uh, <laughs> I feel like Hi-Rez was, um, like, it was a very uh, fun studio to be at, like, especially you know, pre pre COVID too, um, like things were definitely different, but yeah, it was just, um, yeah, it was just fun, uh, kind of just getting up, walking around, talking with everybody kind of knew everyone and then coming into this environment where I knew no one <laughs> mm-hmm. was kind of jarring. Um, well not, I wouldn't say no one, uh, cause I had a, a friend over there, uh, you know, he was basically one of the reasons why uh, I ended up getting that opportunity. Um, he invited me to uh, Pack South uh, one year, and while I was there, um, Gearbox they had a panel, and they were like, "It could be you working on the next Borderlands 3. And so mm-hmm. I think at that point I was like, "Oh man, I I would love to do that." And so that kind of got yeah. my gears turning. And so yeah. as soon as I got back, I you know went ahead and applied and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, uh, ended up going through the process and getting an offer. And so, um, yeah, just coming into that and, uh, and, you know, working on, on, uh, on Battleborn, the day to day was, uh, it was interesting because they were already deep into production. And so everyone was just kind of, they already knew what they were doing. Um, right. Everything was planned out. Uh, and that was something I hadn't really experienced to that extent um at high res i mean we did have like plans and schedules and stuff like that but not to this extent um this was this was super different for me um and so uh it it was cool because i was like okay i i know what i i know what i'm working on i know that Mm -hmm. like okay for this you know this task this character i have all this stuff i need to get done and it was it was really cool um and I felt like, uh, yeah, it just it was nice to have that sort of guideline for the work. Um, and especially at at that point in my career, because I wasn't really like, you know, leading a team or anything. I was just kind of there to to 
just make cool stuff. <laughs> right. Great way to get your feet wet. It yeah. sounds like. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. So Battleborn comes out. I remember it. I didn't actually play it, but I remember it didn't do as well as as some thought it would. But obviously, you still got you know the Borderlands franchise in your back pocket. But what was the sort of morale like after Battleborn didn't do as well as as it was hoped? Um, it was it was kind of like all right. Well, uh, we you know we took a, a swing on this. Uh, it didn't really go as planned. Um, we know what we're really good at. Um, and so we're going to do that. <laughs> and so it was like, and so I think it was, it was less like uh, low morale. It was like, all right, it was kind of like a rallying cry almost. Um, and yeah, it was just like, especially once, um, once production got started and we started to see like the artists, the artists at Gearbox are insane. <laughs> They're just insanely <laughs> talented. Um, and like, once we started seeing like uh you know, sort of test uh, mock-ups for, um, you know, what we wanted to do, uh, it it started to become real. And I think, it, it, and not just my my mind, but a lot of other people at the studio. And then, yeah, at that point, it was just kind of like, all right, well, we know what we're building. Let's let's do it. What was your role on, on three? Um, so I ended up joining the uh, systems team. Um, I had originally joined Gearbox for, as a character designer, but for that game in particular, they already had the designers picked out for uh, characters. Um, so I, I joined the systems team, and that actually like opened up my my skill set a lot. Um, and so during that time, I I got to work on a lot of stuff. Um, I got to touch a lot of stuff for uh, like mission designers. Um, we were building like what we call interactive objects. And so it was really just anything that the player could interact with uh, kind of came through that team uh, at some point. Um, and so uh, I remember Ian, um, he was like the lead of that. Uh, and he he was just building all this stuff, like all the doors and, and barrels and stuff like that. Um, and so I, I learned a ton um, while I was on that team. Uh, and I got to build out some really cool stuff too. So I, I got to build the, uh, the firing range on Sanctuary 3. Um, I got to build the SDU upgrade case. Um, I got to help build the player rooms. And uh, I also... Um, I also got to design out the uh, all of the artifacts in the base game. Um, oh, cool! And yeah, and I also got to do some uh, some le- legendary weapons. Um, so that was really cool. I got to touch a bunch of stuff, especially with their like their sort of gestalt system where they kind of mix and match all these different parts. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was really cool getting to like actually peek under the hood of that and 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 build stuff and make stuff within that within that system. Yeah, something I always liked about those games was just like the guns were all they feel good, they sound good, and they're very unique in terms of how you can combine things. There's a lot of like elemental stuff in that in the third one too, right? Which wasn't as prevalent in the other two, or they might not have existed. I can't totally remember. But no, they were they were they were there. Um but yeah, I think I think three just kinda took everything up a notch. Um and yeah, I'm very excited uh, to see like what they're working on next. Like, 
it's it's been really cool seeing like since I had left because um, I actually ended up leaving Gearbox uh, in 2020. Um, but yeah, we had put out we'd already put out um, uh, Borderlands 3 back in 2019. And then uh, during that time, I know there was some work on some like DLCs and stuff and they had like some seasonal stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just been really cool, like just seeing the reception to the game and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely proud of uh, proud of that one. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like a, a real triumph for the, the studio and and coming back from Battleborn and and you know once again submitting their place in the you know as like one of the the better FPS franchises out there. Um, what was it like in terms of creating the systems at at Gear? I know you went through some of it at Gearbox, but in terms of like there was, you know, I guess uh, the iterative process there. Did you learn more stuff there about how, you know, this is done on such a big title, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's really like uh, a lot of autonomy, um, at least with with the team that I was on. Um, it was just like, all right, you we know what we have to build, and and so we will we will you know take our our uh, requests and everything, and we'll just build it out because we would pretty much get requests from uh from like mission designers um for like certain things so you know we might get a request in for like a a toilet a porta potty that like explodes and fires off into the atmosphere um and so then we have to you know kind of make that happen and so um i don't think i actually built that one but um yeah it pretty much would be we would you know use assets that you know, we already have in the game and, you know, we tie animations to them and all that stuff. But the, the main thing with like the systems team was uh, since uh, since it's a multiplayer game, you know, everything has to replicate correctly. And so uh, replication is just like what everyone see, sees. Everyone that's connected to that game sees the same thing at the same time. And so uh, and so the systems team, um, a lot of the stuff that was set up, uh, especially for like missions and everything, it had to, um, you know, have it had to link into the mission state. And so um, we had to have a different state for certain things that we built. So if you, for example, had a door that's part of a mission and at a certain point that uh, door uh, closes, um, then if someone joins your game after that door closes they need to see it closed um and so it was just kind of you know stuff like that making sure that the like everything um that the logic is right for that stuff um and then yeah making sure everyone sees everything uh correctly um when they you know late join or something like that and so yeah and that's got to be difficult too considering everybody's got a different internet connection um, so I'm sure you're testing like with different connections there, right. And trying to figure out, okay, if someone's, if someone's connection isn't quite as good, how do we, how does that run? Right. 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 And yeah, that, you know, that stuff, like I'm the people that are way smarter than me handle that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's, it's like, I know a little bit about it, but it's just kind of, you know, with projectiles and lag compensation and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. A lot of stuff. And how, how did the systems design change from two to three? Do you think in terms of the overall, 
I guess the amount of things that can be interacted with and just the amount of work. I mean, I'm sure there were some people who worked on two, right? In yeah. that oh, on the system design that, that, that were there for three. So they probably had like, I would imagine, you know, a game plan, but I, I'm just interested about like how you guys evolved that. Yeah. I'm not necessarily sure since I didn't work on two, but like, I feel that, um, it's like from two to three, um, I, I feel that like a lot of the systems were expanded upon, um, and it was really just kind of taking what was already there and figuring out what the what was the best way to to upgrade it, really. And mm-hmm. so that was the main thing because you know there were the exploding barrels and all of that stuff um, in two, but having those elemental uh, you know interactions and everything, um, you know that was that was the extra part and, and having those you know work together and interact together. Um, and then also just additions to, uh, to like the character loadout and, you know, talents and stuff and how all of that stuff works. Um, I think it was just like a lot of, of, uh, systemic upgrades in that respect and not necessarily new, new features. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I, I know there were a couple, um, but those were kind of, I feel just, just like those weren't like hey we're trying to introduce this mechanic or feature to sell the game um it was kind of just like oh this makes sense and that that was like a two two plus year development cycle or maybe more right oh yeah it was about it was probably more closer to four um four yeah because uh actually in the middle of uh development we ended up changing uh changing engines uh, from oh my god well you got to talk about that that's insane <laughs> yeah um well it, it was really just like a bit it was a huge decision um I, I think i remember randy asking everyone like at a quarterly meeting like if if we wanted to change engines or not um and you know there was a lot of i i, I think it was pretty contested but i, I mean just look at the fidelity and everything that we were able to achieve with the new engine is just like it, it's kind of a no-brainer um but at the time uh you know it was like a lot of uh there was like a lot of tech debt we had taken on um and so you know when you're that invested with with like all your tech especially with that engine um it's hard to like throw that stuff away right yeah and was that the were you guys using the engine for, from two uh yeah so initially okay that was on like a heavy heavily modified version of uh unreal 3 so um and you know they they had uh you know upgraded a lot of stuff um it was almost like an early form of like blueprint that they had um that we were working with um which was really cool so um the switch wasn't as bad um because you know blueprint you can do a lot of stuff um in blueprint uh but yeah it's it's pretty daunting when you first jump into the editor uh at first if you're not familiar yeah. with that type of stuff did you guys lose a lot of work um probably yeah I, i'd imagine <laughs> because it's like yeah. we, we had like uh you know just the programmers had you know custom lighting stuff and just everything um and you know the, i'm sure they were able to salvage you know, some stuff, but yeah, it's definitely, I don't think it was like ideal for them, but, uh, yeah, I think it was necessary. 
Oh, cool. And then so now, uh, now you're back at high res. Yeah, yeah. So I'm back at high res. Um, before that, I was at Airship, um, and uh, I actually wasn't working on the uh, the Ruin King. Um, was working on an unannounced title with them. Um, that was really interesting because uh, I got to to work with um, you know some of my kind of industry idols as far as art is concerned, um, which is really cool. Uh, got to work with Joe Mad. Um, he, he's like one of the owners of the studio and uh, he's a pretty prolific uh, comic book artist. Yeah, he did like Uncanny X-Men and a bunch of other yeah, uh, so yeah. like Darksiders and, and things like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and then yeah, there's a couple other people, but uh one of the one of the ones I remember the most just because of his uh name on Polycount is uh Bobo the Seal. And <laughs> uh <laughs> I just remember him being very, very good at like hand painted stuff and you know, just looking at all of their art and stuff like that and just just being amazed. Um but yeah, getting to actually work with them was just so cool. Um you know, they have such an eye for just like style and I don't know, it's just, it was just a, a really cool experience. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you said, I'm back here at high res now. I got an amazing opportunity to come and be their uh, principal designer over here. And so, yeah, uh, I kind of just just got back over here. Um, it's kind of fresh a uh, couple of months in. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the the story so far that's cool man so you're sort of you're sort of back you're sort of back home in a way back where you started at least professionally yeah yeah it's been a, a full circle <laughs> um curious as to uh your experience you know as as an african-american in the industry can you speak to that at all yeah yeah i, de- I definitely can speak to that <laughs> Well, yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's funny you mentioned that because like, yeah, I I constantly um, you know see these like uh, like company photos and stuff like that, and it's just like I remember, especially at certain points during um, development, like at. Uh, at high res and at gearbox um you know taking these like company photos and or like team photos and i'm like i'm the only black person here yeah <laughs> and it's like it's it's interesting because you have to deal with like uh, a lot on top of you know just the the norm and so it's like you know especially dealing with with a lot of the stuff that we've seen go go on socially within you know this country over over the years um and you know having to deal with that on top of like having to do your job um is is rough sometimes uh <laughs> but um you know luckily i haven't really experienced any any sort of like uh discrimination um i've been fortunate uh but yeah it it's really just um you know, wanting to see more, at least from, you know, the, the, from the entertainment that we're building, right? It's like, when we have diverse teams building this entertainment, I feel like we get the best that entertainment can offer. Um, and so, yeah, it's really just the want for, like, there to be better, more diverse stories and wanting to see, you know, 
people that look like me kind of shine through um, that as well. Because I know, you know, when I was younger, if, if I had seen that, you know, within, you know, the media I consumed, you know, especially with games, um, you know, I might have known sooner that, you know, this was the career path I wanted to go down. But, you know, I especially want to make sure that, that I could provide that for anyone that might, you know, be, uh, you know, interested in that type of, uh, in, in, you know, this interest industry, um, and, you know, not even know it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really just been kind of eye opening over the years. Um, just kind of, you know, taking a look at the diversity of the teams, you know, that I've been a part of and, you know, seeing how, you know, people, of color are treated within, you know, the studios and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been, um, yeah, it's, for me, it's been a mission of mine just to, you know, kind of make sure I give back in a way. Um, and so like, yeah, I I try to make sure whenever I go back to, uh, Savannah, I go back to my old high school and try to talk to, you know, the kids there and everything, because, you know, especially being that example of like, Oh, somebody that looks like me does that and you could do it too. Um, I think can make a world of difference. Yeah, no, definitely. That sounds like you can be, and you are, I would imagine very influential in that. And I think that's, you know, one of those things that, that, that bugs me in, in the world is like, you know, whenever there's a big deal made about like, there's there's a there's a gay character gay main character black main character etc it's like i wish that wasn't such a big deal i mean it's great that it's happening but i hate that there's not more of it like that should be a normal thing right yeah but it's like yeah it's 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 hard um especially because it's like you're dealing with um you know these companies that are very risk adverse um and you know and, and especially in business, a lot of, uh, you know, metrics and data go into, you know, what these games or these audiences that games are built for. And so, you know, it, it kind of bleeds into all of that stuff, even through like advertising and everything. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I I think, I think it's, it's changing. It's definitely changing, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. Like, yeah, it just it gets tiring sometimes, <laughs> like seeing that yeah. and having it be a big deal when like it should just be like, oh, OK, that that's a dope character. Like regardless of the, you know, the color of their skin or their gender. Um, and yeah, it's just it's hard because I feel like the games industry is kind of steeped in that like kind of uh, covert racism um mm-hmm. and especially you know having grown up around these games and i played counter-strike from like 1.3 so like i i was extremely online from a young age <laughs> and so i i've, I've kind of you know i've experienced a lot of uh you know uh, a lot of the bad that the the you know games industry has to to offer as far as online play you know in the early days and so it's like, I know it's definitely gotten better from back then, but yeah, um, I know we still have a long way to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. There's, there's, there's a long way to go, but do you feel like 
from your standpoint now where you are at high res, do you feel like diversity in the, in the workplace is getting, is getting better? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it getting better. Um, and yeah, I think that we really just need to continue on the path, um, getting more, uh, you know, underserved communities and, and more, uh, you know, people of color just interested in, in tech in general. And I think that that kind of goes down to like, you know, access and exposure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's getting better. And, and yeah, I, like I said earlier, I just want to help with, you know, that, that whole thing. And so, yeah, um, you know, as, as we have, you know, these sort of programs that I see, um, you know, with like Microsoft, I actually just attended this, uh, this Microsoft, like uh, Xbox game camp um, about a week ago. And uh, it was just really cool seeing like so many like fresh faces to game development and seeing like the projects that they were working on and stuff like that. And it was a ton of, of people of color in one room that had built, you know, these games. Um, and it was just, it was cool to see. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it's getting better. Um, and especially it, it's hard to avoid now. Um, you know, especially with like how big games are these days. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, I, I feel like it's, it's just inevitable. Definitely. That's cool. That's happening. And, um, I'd say based off, you know, the work you've done and then the way you're, you're giving back, I think you found your way just to circle back to the beginning of the show, you know, sort of live your American dream, so to speak. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely really, really happy with where I'm at. And honestly, like I, I plan on doing this until I can't anymore. Um, I love that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, happy with where I'm at and, and very excited for where I hope to be, you know, in whatever amount of time. Well, cool, man. Like I used to say at, at, at our alma mater, sleep comes after death. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah, but uh, cool, Kevin, this was great. And and thank you so much for, for spending some time with us. Do you, uh, do you want to leave any, you want to plug anything, any of, any of your causes or, or social media stuff? Um, this would be a great time, great time to do it if you want to. Um, let's see, I guess, uh, actually I'll plug, uh, Divine Knockout. That's the, the game I'm working on right now, um, over, over at high res, um, under Redbeard. Uh, yeah, they, uh, I think it's in closed beta right now. Um, but yeah, it, it should be launching a little later this year, I believe. Um, and yeah, that, that's probably about it. <laughs> well, cool. Kevin, thanks again. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right, that's going to wrap up our show this week. We want to thank Kevin for being our guest. To find out more about Mudstack, head over to mudstack.com, where you can find links to our Twitter, LinkedIn, and join our community on Discord. And of course, we want to thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Clear as Mud. Mm-hmm.